There's so much to unpack from that gospel, not least of which is because it's a little bit long. Uh, But there is so much to unpack in this beautiful gospel. It's one of my favorites. I think to truly understand this gospel and this story of the woman at the well, we almost need to go back to the very beginning. You know, two weeks ago, our first reading was the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis. It sort of began the Sundays in Lent by hearing about why we're all sinners and this problem that we have of human weakness. And they were tempted and ate that fruit. But we know that they were originally told by God in that garden, you could have fruit from any of the trees, any of the trees of this garden except for that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had everything they could have ever wanted. But the evil one, of course, that snake, he twists it and turns it into a lie. When, compa- when talking about that one tree they couldn't eat, the evil one told our first parents that the knowledge God gave you and what God gave you is insufficient. It is insufficient for you. You are lacking something. Right now, your eyes are closed, but if you eat the fruit of that tree, your eyes will be opened. What God has given you is not enough. And even to an extent, he makes them think that they are not enough. That Adam and Eve somehow are not enough for God. So they take the fruits. They take that fruit and everything sort of blows up in their faces. And what does it actually do? Taking that fruit actually makes things worse for them. It brings about shame in Adam and Eve and in our first parents. And therefore, they believe that lie from the evil one all the more. I am not enough. And God is not enough for me. The woman at the well is what happens when we believe that lie. That we are not enough. We think in in this twisted frame of mind that everything that God gives us, his plan, is somehow lacking. It is somehow lacking in something, and so we need to add something to it that will make it truly good and truly fulfilling to us. We think that that we will be enough if only we do X, Y, or Z that we add on to God's plan. That It's not a part of it, but we're going to add on to it because we think God is not enough. What happens when we do this, when we add on to that plan, it actually diminishes what God wants to give us. Instead, it's subtraction by addition. By adding something on to it, we actually diminish it and make it less than what it was. And again, we continue to believe this lie that we are not enough. When what was truly enough for us was there the whole time. And it only leaves us feeling more ashamed and broken. And isn't this what this woman in the gospel is struggling with when she goes to that well? She's believed that lie far too many times. Five husbands in a lifetime of seeking but being burned by others. Feeling at, the, at that time, at least in her life, that she was not enough. And so she goes to this well in the heat of the day. Normally, uh, Jewish and Samaritan women would have gone to the well at the beginning of the day, before it got very hot, to, give, to get enough water for the day's tasks and work. But she goes in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, when she knows that no one will be there. 
because she is ashamed and scared and embarrassed to be seen by others. She's fallen for the evil one enough that she believes that lie about herself, that she is not enough. And so many people, brothers and sisters, live with this lie nowadays. And as a result, we go to the wells, to the broken cisterns that we think will satisfy us after what feels like a lifetime of searching and feeling like we are incomplete to God and that God is somehow incomplete to us. We keep going and drawing water from those wells of worldliness or those cisterns of sensual pleasure, thinking that that will be the thing that heals the ache in our hearts and the longing for something more in our lives. Yet we find over time that the more we try to pile on, the more that we draw from these broken cisterns, the more hungry, thirsty, and aching we all become. Now, there was recently a minister at a small Bible college in Kentucky that gave a sermon on this very idea. He told his students, he said, many of you have experienced radically poor love. Maybe it wasn't violent. Maybe someone didn't take advantage of you in an explicit sense. But at the very least, you feel like someone pulled a fast one on you. And he invited those students to consider how the love of God the Father is a love that doesn't pull a fast one, that doesn't take advantage of, but loves us kindly, gently, and perfectly. And that one sermon to those students at that small Bible college ignited a movement of 16 straight days of worshiping and praising God. I think there was a reason why so many kids flocked to Asbury University a few weeks ago. There was a hunger for authentic love in a world that only seeks to use others for selfish means. Think about it. People nowadays are doing the things that the world tells us will make us happy, and they are doing them more and more than ever. And yet we are the most depressed, anxious, and despairing generation in a memory. This is the longing of that woman at the well. She has experienced radically poor love in her life. It may not have been violent. She may not have been taken advantage of in an explicit sense. But certainly, she feels as though the world has pulled more than a few fast ones on her. So here she is in the middle of the day in off-peak hours, going to get water when no one else is there. Afraid of being seen by others out of the shame for her imperfections and of having to go to that well once again. And in this conversation, Jesus tells her that maybe, just maybe, the things that our world tells us will make us happy actually won't. She comes to that well wanting a drink of water, but instead, Jesus offers her the life-giving water of God's unconditional love. And so she begins to long for what Jesus is offering to her. She says, sir, give me this water always. And Jesus, in typical fashion, isn't just there for a glass of water. He is thirsting instead for her faith. Knowing full well her sins and failures. After all, he was the one who sort of confronted her about her five husbands. But instead, Jesus invites this woman to stop going to the wells of her past sins and the cisterns of her earthly attachments, and instead to draw water from the life-giving well 
of God's unconditional love. Jesus wants her to know that after a lifetime of searching, that she is enough. She is enough for God. And that when the world tells us we are not enough, Christ tells us that we are. And so it's no surprise that this woman leaves her bucket there at the well and runs and tells the other townspeople in joy how Jesus has told her everything about her and given her a new outlook on life. Brothers and sisters, where have we believed that lie that we are not enough? What are the wells in my life that I keep running to? Possessions, lust, better grades, that promotion that I think will only make me happy. And let us consider the invitation of Christ to this woman at the well as our invitation too. And let us draw water from Christ himself, from his well, the well that will never run dry, the cistern that will quench the aching thirst of the human heart. That is how we cast out that lie and receive the joy and freedom of the woman at the well. So let us go to that water that never leaves us thirsty, where God is enough for us and we are enough for him.